Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. find myself doing on prior to a Sunday like this is spending a good deal of time in prayer uh, as I pray and seek God's direction and will. Uh, prayer is, a, is an interesting thing, and I, I have wondered at times if prayer may not be one of the most unused resources that is available to a Christian. Uh, Listen to some thoughts that I read this week from pastor and author uh, Max Locato. He said this, You know, we really don't know what to pray for, do we? What if God answered every prayer that you ever prayed? Just think who you'd be married to. (laughs) No, quit thinking, Bonnie. (laughs) just think where you'd be living just think what you'd be doing God loves us so much that sometimes he gives us what we need and not what we ask for prayer is the recognition that if God had not engaged himself in our problems we would still be lost in the blackness it is by his mercy that we have been lifted up Prayer is that whole process that reminds us of who God is and who we are. I believe there's great power in prayer. I believe God heals the wounded and that he can raise the dead. But I don't believe we tell God what to do and when to do it. You see, there's a difference between faith and presumption. There's a difference between believing he's almighty God and demanding that he become our divine servant. God knows that we, with our limited vision, don't even know that for which we should pray. And we're praying for things right now that God knows would not be best for us. When we entrust our prayers and requests to him, we trust him to honor our prayers with holy judgment. Words of wisdom from a pastor who's long walked with God. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for these words of wisdom from a child of God, a leader who walks close to you. You know what we've prayed for this morning. As we're scattered around the sanctuary, we may have prayed over breakfast this morning. We have, may have prayed as we began to think about the day and what it held. We may have been praying today, just since we came into church, about something facing us in this week ahead. You know the challenges that are before us. You know some of the struggles that we may have been going through. You know the concerns we've had, the worries we've had. Uh, Lord, in a congregation the size of ours, we know that there are a varied number of concerns and needs and, and uh, requests that would be present. And so in these moments right now, Father, as we take just a moment to spend time talking with you, I pray that each of us would be honest with you, 
that we would share our concerns and requests with you and then leave them in your holy hands, knowing that you really do know best. You really do know what we need. And you love us so very much. Talk with the Lord for just a moment, would you? And tell him what your concerns and requests would be this morning. Heavenly Father, in these moments ahead, I pray that you would use the words of this message to encourage, to give direction maybe, and to provide hope to each of us. We thank you for who you are, and uh, may your will be done in these moments ahead. In your name we pray, amen. I'm going to step off the platform for just a moment to get a different pair of glasses. Try, try Dwayne's either. <laughs> this pair of glasses I have been using for years when I preach because it's set at just the right distance from my notes or whatever I'm using. And the trifocals I had on up here, I have to be in just the right spot so things don't get blurry and fuzzy. And uh, I don't know why a person has to have their eyes begin to degrade as they get older. But In fact, my daughter, oldest daughter called up yesterday and just wanted to know if I would give her some advice. Should she, should she get bifocals or not? <laughs> well, as I prepared the message for this morning, at one point I was drawn back to an occasion, uh, I guess about 16 years ago or so, uh, when Bonnie and I... Uh, we had been in this church for a short time, and, and we had been invited to be interviewed and meet with uh, the congregation and the leadership of a little rural church up at Harrington, Washington, about two hours away from here. And so we met with the members and leaders of that church over a weekend on the 8th, 8th and 9th of September. And that afternoon, that Sunday afternoon after we left, uh, we were wondering what God might have in store for us. Uh, did he, in fact, want us to be the pastor and wife of that church? Uh, was that going to be a part of our future, or were, were we going to remain right here for a time? The following morning, we were on an early flight out of, uh, out of Lewiston here, out of the airport, uh, over to Seattle and then on to Juneau, Alaska. We had never been to Alaska before. And uh, the trip was a gift from uh, one of our kids. And we were really looking forward to seeing what Alaska was like and, and just getting away for a time. And we also felt that the, the next week ahead of us, the next few days that we were there would be a time when we could rest and relax we could pray, we could talk about the weekend that we had just walked through with those people in Harrington. And um, we hoped that as a result of, of our time in Alaska, when we returned here to the valley, we would know if, in fact, God wanted us uh, to be the Parsonage family.
for that little church. And uh, we wanted to know without question. We didn't want there to be any doubt in our minds. We wanted to know that, that God wanted us there and that they did and that we all understood that. So as we left Lewiston here on that Monday morning, we left with, uh, with high hopes that by the time we returned, we would know God's plans and the future concerning our lives in that church. We were really tired at the end of that first day. Uh, we got into Juneau a little bit before noon, and so we tore around seeing what sights we could. If any of you have been there, uh, you know some of the things you see at Juneau, and we went up to the Mendenhall Glacier and, and uh, just a number of places, and we finally went to bed that night. We were tired, um, slept like a log. I woke up the next morning and, and turned on the television, and it came on to the weather, the weather channel. And the announcer was making a comment about how there were a number of airports in the eastern part of the United States that had shut down. And Bonnie was in the bathroom washing her face, and I yelled at her, and I said, boy, there must be a bad storm on the east coast for all these airports to be shutting down. And about that time, I changed channels with the remote uh, to, uh, I think it may have been CNN, and uh, I sat there and looked at that and wondered, what in the world is going on? And I was looking at a, uh, at a scene of the two uh, World Trade Center towers with one of them burning. And uh, I couldn't even begin to comprehend uh, the horror of what I was seeing. And I called Bonnie and I said, come in here and watch. And she came in and we sat on the end of the bed looking at the TV just about the time the second aircraft hit the second tower. And for the next several hours, we found ourselves just transfixed by what was taking place in New York and Washington, D.C., and in that field in Pennsylvania. Uh, slowly, the harsh realization just began to uh, envelop us that we were witnessing a series of horrific events that no doubt would forever change our lives, change our nation, and change the world as we knew it. Uh, as we just watched hour after hour, we began to realize that the lifestyle that we had been accustomed to and, and uh, enjoyed living was probably gone. It was never going to be quite the same again. We did not know what all the changes might involve, uh, but we recognized that September 11, 2001 uh, was going to change that world that, that we were accustomed to living in. Uh, all we could do that day was really pray. Uh, we finally were able to get through and speak with our three children at different times, but uh, we just prayed talked with each other, wondered about our future, wondered what was ahead, and realized all we could do is simply place our lives in the hands of God. We were still his children. That hadn't changed. We were still part of the family of God. That hadn't changed. And that could not be taken away from us. It couldn't be. And yet we wondered 
What did the future hold for us, for our family, for our church, for our nation? What was going to happen to us all? What lay ahead? What was ahead of us that maybe we couldn't even imagine was going to occur or take place? Were we apprehensive about the future? I guess I would have to say we were that day. Uh, Even though we trusted our Heavenly Father for our future, it was really difficult for us to imagine what the days and weeks and months ahead might hold or what might look like as we sat in front of that TV over the next several days just watching the terrible images of catastrophe uh, in New York and Washington, D.C. and in that field in Pennsylvania just bombarding us hour after hour. Yeah, we had to wonder, what did the future hold for us? Have you ever been there? (laughs) Have you ever been at a place where you wondered what was ahead? Have you ever been at a place where maybe it was difficult to even comprehend what might be coming, what might be down the road? Uh, In fact, you may have prayed about a situation, read your Bible, sought the advice of of close Christian friends, but maybe pathways you'd attempted to go down were blocked or just came to naught, and you wondered, you wondered what was ahead. You know, most of us have been in a place like that, if not once, maybe several times during our lives. We've been at a place where we may have faced frustration or discouragement, Far too often, probably anxiety and outright fear that come with having no idea what lays ahead of us. If you're anything like me, we like to know what's around the corner. We like to have an idea of what's ahead for us. I think that that's just human because we seem to find some comfort in knowing that the days ahead are all mapped out for us. The routes are all planned. We like to know what's coming. I guess we could say we kind of like what we see as a secure future. Jeremiah Jeremiah 29 holds some verses that contain a portion uh, of uh, Scripture that just have gripped me numerous times over the years. Stand with me, would you, as we read these few verses this morning. In reverence to our Lord, let's read these verses. Jeremiah 29, beginning with verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Heavenly Father, again we ask, in these moments ahead, guide and direct our thoughts according to your holy will and plans for us. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. The nation of Israel uh, was at a place where I have no doubt that they wondered what lay ahead of them. They had been in captivity for a good many years, and it seemed that there was no change in their status that was forthcoming, at least any time soon. Even so, God had spoken to them through the prophet Jeremiah and informed them that after a period of time, and it was a long time really, 
He was going to return them to their beloved homeland and to their beloved city of Jerusalem. And God then then gave them these words, the words that no doubt came at a time when the people were just filled with all kinds of questions about what lay ahead, because there seemed to have been no answers up till now. And again, here are those verses, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Man, I I think about where those people were at. I think about what they had been going through. They were slaves. They were suffering. Every day was difficult. They didn't have 40-hour work weeks. It was seven days a week. They suffered and were under the heavy hand of a king that wasn't their own. And they were going through difficult times. Um, Scholars don't agree just when this period of time took place or even for certain how long it may have been, though 70 years is mentioned. We do know it was a long, long time. Things weren't going well for these people as a nation. And it seemed obvious that their slavery was going to be a long-term thing. They weren't simply going to go to sleep one night and get up in the morning and find out that it was all a bad dream, that it was over and done with. They were experiencing tough times. They had no idea what the future held for them. Hope was absent, and confusion must have held sway in their minds as they wondered what lay ahead for themselves and their families. And then along comes a prophet sent by God. And as the people listened to Jeremiah, they must have been gripped with the realization that they were truly hearing the voice of the Creator through this man. They were hearing the words of God himself through Jeremiah. And as they listen, I can't help but believe that their hope must have been renewed. There must have been a rekindling, a resurgence of hope that, hey, maybe there is an end to this long, dark tunnel we've been in. There must have been a growing excitement excitement in their hearts as they listened. And I, I can't help but think that there was a stirring of optimism about their future and maybe a fresh new hope mingled with it that they hadn't experienced in a long, long time. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Friends, there there are times in our lives, I know, when God may seem very distant, and it must have been that way for the children of Israel for a long time. Happens to you and me on occasion. God will seem distant. He seems far away. And yet, I'm here to assure you this morning that if you're a child of God, if you're His, uh, if you've given your life to Him, He never leaves you. He's always present. He's always there. And you can expect that even during the most difficult of times, uh, God's close and preparing you for those plans he has for you because he does have plans. Yes, he has plans to give you a hope and a future. Change is often difficult because that can come with the future. Uh, Most of us like things to kind of roll along at a comfortable place pace without any disruptions, and we don't like to be confronted with challenges or difficulties. 
Uh, we like routine, most of us. And we don't like to see our routines disturbed. At the same time, uh, most of us are no doubt people who frequently wonder what lies ahead. When we see things taking place throughout our country and around the world, uh, it's not unusual to begin to have an apprehensive outlook about the future, or at best, a very pessimistic one. We may wonder just how long God is going to wait before He brings judgment upon a people, a nation, or even the world. We think about the multitude of possibilities regarding the future, and we can't help but wonder how it will impact us. The children of Israel must have wondered the very same thing. We wonder how the future will affect our children and grandchildren. I'm sure they did too. How will the events we may witness in the future impact our church, our family, our nation? Oh, we can have many questions about the future. But you know something? I'll tell you right up front. I don't have all the answers, but I know the one who does. Friends, we're living in a world and in a nation which I believe has been forever changed. Now, we're living at a time when multitudes of people are living in fear of all manner of forms of terrorism. It seems like every morning I'll turn on the TV, I'm kind of a news freak anyway, and I'll turn on the TV and wonder, well, what happened last night? And too often it is tragedy. It is acts of terror against people at locations all around the world, and too often it's been within our own, our own country. People are afraid of what lies ahead. People are afraid of what the future may hold for them. But can I suggest to you this morning that we're living in a time when I am convinced that God can move and transform lives for eternity as never before in the history of our nation. In fact, the thought has crossed my mind in recent days, uh, what a time to be a Christian. What a time to be a Christian. What a time to know the Lord and be serving Him. We live in a world that is being dramatically changed day by day, day after day. Multitudes of people, like I said, are living in fear And so I will say it again, what a time to be a Christian. What a time to be part of the church. What a time to know the Lord and be serving Him and be able to share Jesus Christ with people around us who are walking through life without no hope. Really terrified of what the future might hold for them. I've shared a quote with you numerous times over these recent years. And it's one of those quotes that grabs me every time I see it and read it. It's by A.W. Tozier. He was a theologian, a pastor, an author. He said, anything God has ever done at any time, he can do now. Anything he has done anywhere, he can do here. Anything he has done for anybody, he can do for you. I love that. I love the wisdom in those words. And the promise that is wrapped up and infused within those thoughts. Anything God has ever done at any time, he can do now. He's not limited. Anything he's done anywhere, he can do right here in the L.C. Valley. 
And anything he has done for anybody, he can do for you. And that includes each of you seated here this morning. These words are true for First Naz, for you and for your family. They're just as true today as they were when A.W. Tozier penned them. He also had another quote that I have seen at times. He said, you can't truly rest until every area of your life rests in God. That's good. You can't truly rest until every area of your life rests in God. And I thought, yeah, Dr. Tozier, you nailed it with that one. Because when every area of your life rests in your Heavenly Father, you can truly rest. I want to close this morning by sharing some, com- sharing some comments from a Dr. Joy Qualls. Uh, she's a professor at Biola University. And this was something I saw this, this last week, and others of you may have read this. But uh, this, is, this is something that is up to date. And as I read over it, I, I thought, I've got to share this Sunday morning at the close of our message. Listen to, to Dr. Qualls. I actually think there is no greater time to be a believer than the time we're living in now. We are living in an era of rage and outrage. We are living in an area of fear. The Church of Jesus Christ has a message and a history and a leader who is counter to all of that. How many of us would wash the feet and sit at a table of somebody we know is about to betray us? And of course, she's referring there to the upper room experience with Jesus and his disciples. Rather than looking at this time as a time of hostility, we should see it as an opportunity for the church. This is the greatest opportunity that we have ever had to be an influence, not a power broker, but an influence in our culture, which means being willing to step outside of the emotion of fear and proclaim a message of hope. When everybody says that we are in crisis, well, we have the answer to that crisis. The answer is not a bill or a law or a Supreme Court decision. The answer is a life of dedication to one who is greater and outside of all of this. I think the time for our message is now, and I think that we have an opportunity to really live out the message of Jesus in terms of loving our enemies. Dr. Joy Qualls wrote those words. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. As Bonnie and I have looked back over our lives, we have realized that many times God's plans for us weren't the same ones that we had imagined for ourselves. God's plans, we've realized as we look back, were far, far better. I don't know where all of you are in your journey through life this morning, but as I've said before, if you have invited Jesus Christ into your heart, if you have asked him to forgive you of your sins and take up residence in your heart and soul, if you're living for him today, 
then I can assure you that Jeremiah 29.11 is for you. It's just as relevant today as it was when Jeremiah spoke those words to the children of Israel. In fact, and this is something I've shared with you before, you can personalize this verse. In my Bible, it can read, For I know the plans I have for you, Bill and Bonnie. (laughs) And you can put your names in there. I know the plans I have for you, Bill and Bonnie. Or just include your names there. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Wow, what a promise. What a promise. And it was one that the children of Israel got to see to come to fruition. Uh, Bonnie and I, as uh, many of you know, uh, ended up, uh, were called to be the pastors of the church in Harrington. And we went there and felt blessed by God. And then he brought us back here to the valley, and it's still a joy to continue to serve him, but we would never have imagined that we would be doing now uh, what we are. God knows the future. He knows your lives. He has hope. He has a future for you. Would you stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for these words of promise out of Jeremiah's mouth. Father, we thank you that you do have plans to prosper and not to harm your people, plans to give each one of us a hope and a future. And I pray as we go out into this day, into the week that's ahead, we'll be reminded again and again that you walk before us through this journey of life. You know what's ahead And your hand grips tightly our very own. Father, thank you for loving us. I pray that we would sense your holy presence go with us today. Watch over, be close to these people seated in this sanctuary this morning who have worshipped together. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing in all of our lives. In your precious name we ask this and pray. And all God's people said... Amen. God bless you. Go with God. You are dismissed.